0: Hello and welcome to the Storytellers' Mission with Zena Delo, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. Several weeks ago, we launched into a series on dialogue. We started out talking about essential principles of good dialogue in a novel, in a play, or in a screenplay. And then we switched to what are some tools that you can use so that you can write great dialogue in your particular project. Today we're going to wrap up with three of my final favorite tools on how to write great dialogue and these three kind of go together. They're all in sort of the same wheelhouse, if you will. They all kind of overlap or intersect in some way. Now, I've saved the best for last because the truth is, if you can master these three tools, you will find that you're actually taking your project to the next level. These three tools bring you into a new sphere of writing. These are advanced techniques that when you master them and you start to use them well, will literally transform your entire project. Lulu, you are so loud, little girl. I wish you could have done that an hour ago. <sighs> okay, so let's start. Lulu! Now these three tools. <sighs> now these three tools are literally three of the best tools you could possibly use. So let's break these down. Number one, the sidestep. The sidestep is when you answer questions in odd ways. Unexpected dialogue and turns in dialogue create immediate interest. So, this is where instead of doing the literal back and forth question answer situation, you can answer questions with other questions. And it's going to be interesting. It's immediately going to engage your audience. So, for example, Let's say that you have two characters who are supposed to be falling in love with one another, and one of them says, Do you love me? And the other one says, Do you want me to? That is far more interesting to us, the audience, than a yes or no answer. Or you've seen this happen Do you love me? Do you remember the time when we were 11 and we went and played and da 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 da, and somebody answers with a story? We've seen this happen in books and movies and plays where people don't answer the question directly. And what does that do to us, the audience? It intrigues us. We want to know the answer to that question even more. This is particularly true if the question sort of keeps getting asked. I'm thinking right now of Fiddler on the Roof. What does Tevya say to Golda? Golda, do you love me? Do I love you, she says yes. Do you love me? For 25 years, I've baked your bread. I've washed your clothes. I've hemmed your whatever. She answers in weird ways. And he keeps asking and he keeps asking and he keeps asking until finally she says, well, if that's not love, then I don't know what is. The fact that she keeps evading it or sidestepping it makes the answer to that question way more important. It actually raises the stakes. Whenever you have a character who sidesteps a question like that, it clues us in the audience that there's something important behind it, that it's really relevant somehow that it's a painful topic for your character, or it's a risk for them, or there's fear behind it, or something, or it's really hard for them to open up, or they're not sure how they feel, or they actually are spies for the opposite side and they feel guilty. Whatever the case may be, if there's a moment where your character is asked a direct question and they sidestep it, it creates immediate interest so answer questions with questions or have your characters evade the question and tell a story it's an appropriate time and see that way you're killing two birds with one stone if the question is provocative enough like do you love me now if it matters enough to the character that's being asked That's a different kind of pressure. Instead of the conflict that we had before that allowed backstory to get out, now it's because of the magnitude of the question itself that allows a character to get backstory out. So again, do you love me? Do you remember that time when we were 11 and we were down by the creek and Billy was pushing you and trying to dunk you in the water. And do you remember what I did? And so all of a sudden now you can have a character launch into a story that is shared information, but it's relevant because of the question that's been asked and because of the tactic they're using to avoid answering it. And maybe at the end of the day, the character is using that story to say, of course, I love you, you big dummy. Remember how terrified I was of the pond? Whatever the case may be. Okay. But that leads us then to number two silence, or action in place of dialogue. In other words, you never want to use dialogue if an action can do the same thing. This is the classic show, don't tell. So in another episode, I gave the example of Lover Come Back with Rock Hudson, where the boss is confronting him and he turns over and grabs the cane and he breaks it instead of answering the question that the boss asked. Are you even listening to me? Boom, he breaks the cane. That is far more interesting to us than if he had answered, no, I'm not. That's an action. But there's other ways to do that as well. So for example, let's say there's a husband and a wife and the wife says to husband, close the window, it's freezing in here. And the husband slams the window shut and says, yes, dear. Now that's an action and it's dialogue, but notice it's the action that communicates what's really going on with the character. So the words are not the important part, it's the action part. Whatever your character's action is, whenever they're doing something in a scene, that needs to give us the true insight into what their heart really is. Not the words they're saying, but the action. There's a great scene in the film Hoosiers with Gene Hackman from years ago where there is a star basketball player and you know Gene Hackman has been hired to be the coach of this basketball team and everybody's saying, you need Jimmy, you need Jimmy. I think his name is Jimmy, I can't remember. But you need Jimmy. So Jimmy, of course, expects the coach to come and beg him to play and everybody else expects Gene Hackman to come and beg Jimmy to play. But instead, Gene Hackman goes to his house, and there we find Jimmy shooting baskets. Swoosh, swoosh. No matter where this kid shoots from, swoosh. He makes all the shots. And the whole time that Gene Hackman is talking to this kid, this kid is shooting baskets, and he's not saying anything. And Gene Hackman basically says to him, I hear you're one of the best. I hear you're this. I hear you're that. I hear you're the top notch kid in all the state, and da 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 da, whatever he says. And then he says, I don't want a damn thing from you. And he walks away. And then the kid misses. First time, he shoots the ball and he misses. And what does that action show us? What does that tell us? It tells us that that flustered him. It tells us that that got to him, that somehow it shook him emotionally. So we want to reveal the internal emotional state of your character through these types of actions. Now, there's a cliche of this too, right? We've seen this a thousand times. Any movie, it seems like, that makes any sort of scene with a bow and arrow has the classic scene where the girl's shooting the bow and arrow. The guy comes along to help her shoot the bow and arrow. He says, let me show you how it's done. And then she blows in his ear. And of course, he misses, right? We've seen this. It's a cliche now. Nevertheless, it's an example of how it reveals that the character was flustered by that, that they were thrown off by that, that there might be some romantic tension or interest between those two characters. It's an action that reveals internal emotional state. Okay, well, let's talk about the last one here. Number three, visual images in place of dialogue. (laughs) Thank you, Lulu. You want to try to create visual images for your audience that mean something. So for example, in the film, Shane, Shane ends up coming and standing up with the farmer against the bad guys and in exchange for Shane's help, the farmer says, hey, why don't you come to dinner? And by the way, the real point of this movie is to show this little boy what it means to be a man. That's the whole theme of Shane. So instead of thanking them for the meal, he kind of does something with his hat and then steps outside. Now there's a little boy in this movie. who's like, hey, where's Shane going? He's worried, Shane's left. But the dad looks out the window and sees Shane cutting down the stump of a big tree that's out in front of the house. And this is the classic male bonding scene because then the father goes out there and he joins them and those two are working to get that stump removed. And the little boy is in the garden with his mom watching the men work on this stump. And at one point the wife says, honey, why don't you hook up the team and let them pull it out? And the man says, no, honey, there's just some things a man's got to do for himself. Now, why is that a visual image? Well, it says so much, right? There's so much. It's more than just an action. Now it is an action because Shane is thanking them for the meal by helping them cut down the tree. And he's also showing his commitment to the farmer's cause. There's so much going on. He's also demonstrating for the little boy what it looks like to be a man. And of course, friendship is being modeled in that scene. Camaraderie, what it looks like for two men to stand together against injustice. There's so much. But the visual image of the tree stump of an obstacle being rooted out because of the sweat of one's own brow, because of the blood and sweat that two men are putting in to make that happen, is very, very profound. It actually speaks to the entire theme of the film. So if you can use visual images in place of dialogue, holy cow, you can take your projects to another level. The goal here is to show visual images instead of having there be a bunch of talk about something. So here's another example. Let's say you have a novel that you're writing about the mob trying to plan some sort of hit on... A government witness who is you know going to testify against the mob and potentially send them away okay well instead of having the mob boss explain through dialogue what he expects somebody to do maybe he just slides a newspaper across his desk that has a headline that says star witness set to testify against mob boss so-and-so or maybe the mob boss just slides the newspaper across that has the headline and stares at the guy that he slid it over to and then that guy says I know I'm taking care of it you better because you know what happens to people who disappoint me and maybe he reaches behind his desk and pulls out a golf club And we know, oh, God, he beats people with his golf club if they disappoint him. See, we don't need the dialogue to say that. You're showing us through visual images. And it's far more interesting. It's more pleasant for the audience because then we get to interpret something and we get to draw conclusions. We get to infer what it means. When you introduce a new location... Like if you go to the mental hospital, instead of having the character, and then I went to the mental hospital, or walking up with their partner, well, look at this place. This is sort of eerie and creepy. Wouldn't you agree? You show us through visual images. You have a sign of the... Birmingham psychiatric facilities, but then you have the lights flickering a little bit and popping sounds. We hear the buzzing of the lights and the steps are all cracked and crumbly and there's weeds growing out through them, but they've been sprayed and so they're kind of dead and the grass is brown instead of green. I mean, you can show us what kind of place this is, through visual images rather than characters talking about it and describing it to us through their dialogue. Okay, so again, these are just some tips and tools and techniques that you can use to actually up your dialogue game, sometimes by not having it through dialogue at all. Finding new ways to convey information to your audience besides through dialogue. I hope that all the tips that you've received during this series have been helpful and that you'll be able to apply them to your story. If you want to have more about dialogue in the future, you will have an opportunity because sometime in January, I will be launching classes on the new Storytellers Mission website. So if you're interested in that, then please do check that out. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the Storytellers Mission with Zena Del Lowe. May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.